afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome back to the Shelter and Warning podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today. We are a Monster of the Week podcast, literally. So every episode we cover a new monster. Monsters can be both fact and fiction, and they're usually hiding in plain sight. The more you know about monsters, the better equipped you are to protect yourself if you ever have to face one. A quick note before we start, if anything I say is inaccurate, insensitive, offensive, or should be added to, contact me. I'm trying my best to find accurate information on all my topics, but I welcome all corrections and would love to have an open dialogue on any larger issues. All social media handles and my email will be in the description, and I'll save them at the end of the episode, so so stay tuned for that. Today is a very special episode, and I'm really, really excited for it. I will be interviewing... Me, Angie Luffy, (laughs) Angelina Nair. Angelina Nair, better known as Angie Luffy on Instagram and TikTok, has gained an audience for her alternative fashion and style that often blends traditional daisy clothes and jewelry with different subcultures. Beyond that, she also talks about her chronic illness and daisy Arabian stereotypes, which affect both of us. Period. Wow, you have the perfect podcast voice. (laughs) when I when I like told my dad I was like I'm gonna do a podcast the first thing he was like will people be able to understand you are you well that's what I would worry about me but that's because I like mumble but you have like the perfect podcast course thank you thank you okay so let's jump right into these questions first of all yes we're a monster podcast everybody gets asked this one what is a monster to you oh wow that's deep um I don't know. I mean, I think monster and I think like something spooky. I think inspiration, like, because I feel like I make a lot of art that's very dark and a lot of it is centered around monsters. So when I think of monsters, the first thing that I associate with that is like something to be inspired by. (laughs) Yeah. So you're both, so you're both a visual artist and you do a lot of stuff with like fashion and style and that kind of things, right? Yeah, I do it all, baby. I'm actually a film student, so I do, like, film and photography, and then in high school, I was in, like, the information communication design uh, high specialist high skills major, which basically means that I majored in, like, digital, like, graphic design in high school, so I kind of, like, am just mediocre at all types of art. (laughs) I mean, I've seen some of your art. I I would not call that mediocre. It's far from mediocre. That's so nice of you. Oh my gosh, thanks. Dude, so give well. your, give yourself some props here. Hype yourself up. Well, why would I do that when you're hyping me for me? Yeah, that's my whole job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um so you mentioned that you consider monsters inspiration. So I know that a yeah. lot of alternative subcultures and kind of alternative genres and styles uh take inspiration from things that are specifically considered like grotesque and scary. Um, how does that play into your own life? I think it's kind of interesting for me because I feel like from an outsider's perspective, when they see me, they might think, oh, she looks scary. Or like, well, I get that comment all the time. Like, you look scary. Why would you want to look like that? But to me, the intention, while it's to shock, it's not meant to be scary. It's meant to be in, like, it's meant to be an expression, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times things that people consider scary is not actually scary if you know what you're looking at it's just you know people fear what they don't understand people fear the unknown people fear when other people are doing things differently than them because it makes them feel insecure in what they're doing themselves 
So I don't know if that's a good answer to your question, but no, dude, that's perfect. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that the idea of scary and even like being scared is very subjective and very dependent on who you are as a person. Exactly. I feel like there are people in certain subcultures and people who have alternative styles who when they get ready, their intention is that they want to look scary. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that like, like, I just don't think that I'm particularly have the intention to always look scary but i do myself also do like scary halloween looks and stuff and it's just like i think there's a differentiation to be made between intention and external perception mm-hmm. um, that a lot of people misunderstand from when they see alternative um and the idea of what is scary and like what is acceptable even has gone so fast So, like, 50 years ago, you know, you have a visible tattoo. Worst thing that could happen to you in America. Whereas, like, 300 years ago, you know, you're from a lot of, like, Pacific Islander areas. You're from, you know, India. You're from a lot of cultures of color, I guess. And tattoos are just kind of normal and accepted life. Exactly. And, like, people don't know this, but, like, the punk subculture, for example, it also has a lot to do with geographical location, right? Like... The punk subculture, for example, they have piercings, like face, facial piercings, nose piercings, came from India. When the hippies went to India, they saw this style, and then they adopted these nose piercings, they brought it back, punks took it from them. So it's like, when people say, like, these, it, it's just a matter of, like, geographical location plays into it, or, like, the cultural normatives play into it. So, mm-hmm. I think that's super interesting. Yeah, because I've seen so many people be like, oh, you know, like, gauges, hanging weights, stretched ears, that kind of stuff are terrifying. And I'm like, like, my great-grandma has that. She wears super, super heavy earrings and her ears stretch out. Exactly. It's, like, it's just not how you look at it. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, definitely, like, perception changes what's scary to people. So, speaking of perception, um, another thing that tends to form what's scary or what's monstrous or what's you know, grotesque to people is what they grew up on and what they grew up seeing. So what is the first or some of the first media that you remember being really scared by? Oh, man. Okay, you know what? Probably, okay. So when I was really young, like really young, like too young, me and my mom used to watch Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. And I still have the whole box set like downstairs, like we still have it. And I remember having nightmares about that show. But I didn't want to say that I had nightmares because I wanted to watch it. Like I loved it. So probably that. Um, But yeah, I still have nightmares. I still have like, you know, (laughs) like all the time. But I think that's probably the earliest come that show. And it was a good show. It was spooky, though. There were some episodes with like blue people that would steal people's voices. Super awesome. Wow. And kind of the opposite of that. Although I guess you might have the same answer. But um, what's the first piece of media that you really, like, 100% loved? Like, not something that somebody else was like, you should like this, that you found and you loved. Mm, The first piece of media that I loved, I remember was really attached. You know what? I used to read a lot. So either, like, the Hunger Games type novels, like these type of novels that I used to read. Actually, even earlier than that, there were these, like, 
also dystopian. They're always like dystopian YA novels. I was very disturbed as a child, but probably books. And then after that, I actually the Coraline. I had the comic book. I like got it from the library. So probably books, and then Coraline the comic book, and then Coraline the movie. Mm-hmm. Because I had that on DVD, and my dad would put it in the car. So um, this is kind of funny because we talked about Coraline in like another interview I did a couple months ago. Uh, but one of the interesting things about Coraline is that Neil Gaiman has talked, who's the author, has talked about how Coraline little kids don't find it scary, children don't find Coraline scary, older teenagers and adults specifically when they're reading it or watching it for the first time. They're like, this is terrifying. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was cool. Like, I thought it was super cool. I was like, wow. Because I think there's, a, like, that movie specifically and that story is escapism. Like, it's about... And as a kid, I remember wanting to be, like, all the time. Like, I felt, like, so self-pitying. Like, oh, my gosh, I wish I could go to this perfect world. And then that movie was like, you could go to the perfect world, but you might not have your eyes when you come back, sis. You, you sure you want to do that? So it's like it gives you that escapism but it still gives you like some substance and then as a kid you're like wow i'm so woke right now <laughs> yeah it's interesting to think about how many of our like yeah like i like the same stuff that you did as a kid like the hunger games dystopian novels that kind of thing and it's interesting to think about how many of those were like specifically escapism for children so, like one of the ones that comes to mind is the line the witch in the wardrobe from narnia of course of course. The idea that, you know, one day you wake up and your closet is the doorway to another world where everything is perfect and it's always winter and it's, you know, you're going to be king someday is... Yeah. Get that Turkish delight. Yeah. I bought Get Turkish, snacking. I bought, like, real Turkish delight from a store in Santa Barbara the other day and I had it shipped cross country. Really good. Really? I don't think I've ever had it. And now I probably can never have it because IBD... So that's your, do you want to talk about that or not? Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, so you mentioned IBD really quick. Do you want to give, like, a quick rundown on what that is? Yeah, so, I, like, IBD, specifically, I have ulcerative colitis, which is a chronic illness that everybody always accuses me of faking, but it's real, guys, and it causes, like, like, like I just said, I can't eat certain foods because I my intestines will literally get super irritated. Um... And, yeah, it, there's a lot of, like, other symptoms that come with it. Like, because it causes, like, internal bleeding, um, you get really anemic. So people have it often have to get blood transfusions. Last time I was in the hospital, well, not the last time, but a few times ago in the hospital, I got two blood transfusions, um, an iron diffusion, because, you, like, you lose all this iron when you lose that hemoglobin, I guess. I don't know. I'm not, like, a scientist. And you also get, like, dehydrated. So it's, like, if you know someone with ulcerative colitis, chill because we're dealing we're going through it mm-hmm. Dude, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds terrible i um but you mentioned that people accuse you of faking it all the time which is so weird literally every day even earlier today on tiktok i just posted tiktok about it too where people will write like oh you're disabled and they'll put it in quotes but it's like it's so crazy because it's like the information is so readily available um where I always write in the comment, I'm like, hey, if you want to know about my disability, because always people ask, because I'm not visibly disabled, like, 
you probably like I, I don't have a visible um, aid or anything like that um, that people typically associate when they hear the word disabled um, so they put in quotes so I always read a comment that's like if you want to know about my disability go to my Instagram I have a highlight and in the highlight there's all this information about my disability because you know I can't explain about all sort of like every single comment right yeah. and people still like the information is there and they still are like just make this assumption without looking into it, without knowing anything about the person you're saying it to. And for me, like, I can deal with it. I've been on TikTok. The hate on there is crazy, but I, I can deal personally. But what worries me about that is other people, because TikTok is a platform anybody can use, anybody can get on. And there's other people out there who are looking to just post about, like, vent posts or inspire others or informational posts. And it makes me feel, like, bad for them because I'm imagining what it would be like for somebody else who is probably not accustomed to this or would be expecting this to receive a comment like that accusing them of faking a disability especially when people with invisible disabilities already have such a hard time feeling validated whether that be like by doctors like for me i got misdiagnosed the first time i went to the emergency room they didn't know what i had they and then i ended up in the hospital for four days like and i almost died because of what that happened so there is this like attachment that comes with being disabled and then on top of that having an invisible illness that I feel like also can exacerbate maybe a mental illness if you have this problem with feeling invalid or maybe exacerbate like self-doubt so it makes me worry like for that type of people so like you know obviously I can't do anything about it I can't force people to not be ableist but I wish like people stop and think as cliche as it it sounds I wish people would sometimes stop and think or like look into it because again like I write that comment if you take two seconds to look in the comments you can find out what disability I have mm -hmm. and even for me like I'm not I say that oh he doesn't bother me but it's like even for me to just read that comment for that split second it reminds me of like you know that self-doubt that I had about is this a valid disability and it's also so sorry I'm talking so much but it's so it's an horrible. interview with you you're you talk as much as you want Okay, <laughs> but it's like it's just it, it's it's hurtful in that regard as well because it's like as disabled people and especially if you're an activist I don't really consider myself an activist per se mm -hmm. but if you are one you're doing all this work to try and help other people you're doing all this work to try and put yourself out there to help other people right like when I post these videos the main goal is that I'm thinking I'm going to build community with other people like me. So then for somebody to say like, oh, you're insinuate essentially that you're taking up a space that you don't deserve or you're faking to take up a space, it, it, it's a hurtful in that regard. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned that you're, you're not an activist. You don't call yourself an activist. Um, no, not anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's weird because like as – marginalized people in general i'm like i'm femme presenting i'm brown um you obviously like have marginalizations i don't know how the hell to talk about this um but no, as, you're good. <laughs> um but as marginalized people there is always going to be a part of us that has to kind of be an activist and that has to exactly. yeah like you have to sit down and go these are all the things that are wrong this is racism this is ableism this is homophobia this is sexism even to people that mean well mm. Mm -hmm. well it's baked into your identity right because it's like you don't get that choice all the time like 
when I was in third grade and people were being racist to me and calling me a terrorist, like, is that activism for me to stand up for myself and to say, like, hey, that's not right? Like, at the most basic example, because I feel like it's, 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 we don't get a choice, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, in that way, yes, I understand that angle. But for me, I think as somebody who is like classified between a content creator and influencer, activist is not the title that I, I would take up just because of the space that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, there are actual like people with platforms who are activists and when I see them I see them dedicating like their whole lives to what they do essentially and their whole safety is at risk and of course like there's always a risk for me as well when I'm posting these things but I think that it's a better title reserved for them but I'm not like the gatekeeper of calling yourself an activist like if anything I'm the first person when people are like oh you're a poser you're not punk I'm like my identity is punk first of all or like Mm -hmm. like when I see other people say that to other people of color I'm like if you're gonna call them a poser like who's not the idea of calling somebody a poser in a punk space when their entire existence has been kind of like fighting people off and kind of being like screw the establishment screw the system Mm -hmm. because like as a person of color a lot of times you have to and that's, yeah. that's, like, punk at its core. That's the whole point yeah. of it. Well, you are the, the alternative to the mainstream, right? You are, like, by existing in this white supremacist society and in this society that values Eurocentrism, you, you're you you're the alternative to the mainstream. Like, you're, that's you. Mm-hmm. Breaking it down. Yeah. Dude, you're so cool. Okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Can I call it fangirling? Because, like, I'm thinking about editing this episode later and going through this. I'm already, no, I know I'm going to sit here for my laptop and be like, that was so good. So good. <laughs> well, you can fangirl. I'll fangirl for you, too. Uh, I don't do anything. I just sit at home and pretend to study for the SAT. Well, you have a whole podcast. You know, all these people are, like, they have, I, I just, I love to see people like me expressing themselves and doing what they love in any regard so it's like even when I get like these basic brown girls who comment like oh you're you're so weird or all this stuff and I go to the account I see them I go to their account I see them like dancing I'm still happy because I'm still like you're still expressing yourself in some way so it's like even though they don't like me expressing myself in that way I see all of you guys I mean, like I, I just I just use that example because I mean people of like of any demographic like not just the podcasters not just the basic girls like any brown girls who are always like following their passions or doing things that are somewhat outside the mainstream just expressing themselves in any way i love to see it It Mm -hmm. makes me so happy yeah it's i saw somebody the other day um say that we're over like representation like representation is not important anymore and i was like that's kind of a that's kind of a very weird take because uh-huh. to say that would assume that we're already being represented in any meaningful yeah. way. And that's yeah. just not true. I mean, what was the con? Like, why would anybody even say that? I can't it was even like, This TikTok makes me so angry. Um, somebody was talking about Jamila Jamil, and they were like... Yeah. Yeah, and they were like, oh, I can't wait for the day that she does something problematic so we can call her out because I really hate her and I don't know why. And I was like, why do you, as a brown girl, hate to see another brown girl being, like, pretty and successful? 
She's a... They were like, oh, yeah. she's not an activist enough. She's not an activist, period. Why does she have to be an activist? That's what I don't understand. It's like, first of all, also, like, Jamila Jamil is also chronically ill, fun fact. Um, she has uh, EDS, I think, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I, don't, I never remember what it's called, but mm-hmm. I have a friend who has it as well. But um, because, you know why I know this? Because I was one day fantasizing about being in Vogue, and I looked up, vogue brown people because i was thinking whoa i might be the first disabled brown person to be in vogue if i were ever in vogue and then i saw jamila jamila there and i was like well there you go there's one at least um so i would be the first disabled for jumpy though but (laughs) she um she um yeah that's horrible why i just i think jamila jamila also like she gets attacked from all angles like i don't know much about her so i don't want to like I'm not, like, her number one fangirl. Like, I don't know if she's been problematic or anything. But I just remember seeing, like, conservatives rip her apart on their podcast and all this. So she's always getting these death threats. And you know what? I actually did see an article as well about people who were accusing her of faking her disability. Because she had said in one interview, like, oh, I recovered in six months. And then she said another one, oh, I recovered in a year. And they were like, that means she's faking. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and it's weird seeing people who are supposedly, like, I'm not going to say supposedly, that's a bad word choice, but it's weird seeing people who are very liberal or very left kind of also tear her apart for not being radical enough. Um, and then say that she's problematic. I think one of the reasons she's problematic is she does she's like lied about her illness before. And that's like a normal human thing to do. Like sometimes you just forget things and you yeah. don't tell the truth. I don't understand why that's like a cancel worthy offense that that seems weird i don't either yeah that sounds like like you don't know the context you don't know why she lied about her illness yeah. or, or i don't maybe they do i mean again i don't know much about her but it's like what did, who does that hurt like realistically like there's people out here who are doing things like influencers that have a platform are doing things that are actually hurting people mm-hmm. and you want to cancel the people who are actually trying to help and liberals do have this problem across the board where like they want people who have a platform to talk about every single possible issue and to be like literally the perfect activist because they expect like perfection from them essentially and at the end of the day like Jamila Jamil is an entertainer she's an actress so it's like she can use her platform but it's like you're you're kind of it's almost dangerous to mm-hmm. to make these people of all people the forefront and the spokespeople of these different movements and I have worried about this for myself, too, where I'm like, I want to speak on everything. I want to help everyone. But it's not realistic, first of all. And second of all, I'm not the most qualified person for all of these issues to be educating myself on. I would much rather redirect somebody else and use my platform for good when I can. But for liberals to then be mad at me or at Jamila Jamil or whoever it may be, because this happens to everyone. Like, oh, every celebrity gets this. Like, I'm not a celebrity by any means, but everybody with a platform gets this, where it's like, they literally want you to talk about every single thing and to be perfect. And they're like, if I see you wearing fast fashion, like, you're a hypocrite, you're canceled, you don't deserve a platform, or like, and it's like, it's just crazy. Like, you're, mm-hmm. they're people too, you know? And, and they're not even in the space that you're asking them to be on. They're entertainers. Yeah. And so... I'm going to cycle back a little bit to something else that you said, because I think it ties into what we're talking about now. Um, and so you mentioned that on TikTok, I think you mentioned specifically that you get a lot of hate comments and things. And and I think the way that TikTok specifically is set up 
with a for you page, it's very easy to make constant demands of creators, especially if they're marginalized in some way. Because you see them for 59 seconds. I know they're unveiling three-minute videos. That doesn't count. It's not real. Um, <laughs> I've seen, like, one. It's a recipe. It doesn't... Um, but, like, you see this creator for 59 seconds. You have 140 characters to leave a comment. That's it. That's your entire, you know, interaction with them. And I think it almost makes creators come off as, like, not real people. They're just kind of puppets. Exactly. And you know what? I think you're completely right about that. The short form, like I have to remind myself this as well, that every video I post is individual because it's going to get on someone's for you page who has never seen me in their life. It's not like in the past where people know you. It's literally like you're seeing thousands of different people in a week that on this app. So it's like, it's very you summed it up perfectly it's so easy to just leave a comment based on what you assumed in that one video and I think a lot of viewers don't really realize that that these and myself included like I've definitely been guilty of this that this one minute video the assumptions you're making based off of it you can probably find information if you cared enough but you don't because you don't know this person and it's a one minute video and what is what is the consequence of you leaving a negative comment in your eyes, like if if I'm a 14 year old boy leaving a hate comment, I'm thinking, oh, this is hilarious. I'm not thinking, well, why didn't I go find out if this girl is actually disabled or mm-hmm. what what can happen to me? What if I get in trouble for this? No, it's like there's never been consequences on that app too. I think TikTok itself has some responsibility that it needs to take for regulating the comments as an app and what's allowed to be said on that app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. You mentioned 14-year-old boys, so I'm going to second to another segue into another thing. Yeah. Um, but I think another issue with it is that its user base skews so young that it's a lot of people who just, like, don't know how to kind of interact in the real world. Or you're 15 and you're lashing out and you kind of – that's just all you want to do right now. And it's, it's – unfortunately, it's happening to other real people on the internet that you're never going to meet and will never meet instead of like your mom or whatever right and so it's it's almost like tiktok has because i remember being like 14 and being angsty and being like nobody will understand me the world is terrible i hate everything but like the only people who had to deal with that were like my friends and my parents and you know people i knew in real life but i feel like on tiktok Somebody who lives in New Zealand, well, I mean, you're in Canada, I'm in Massachusetts, somebody who lives in Germany, whatever, is going to, like, feel whatever you're putting out. Yeah. I think it's the same as how it's been. It's just kids being raised by the internet. You're raised by an algorithm, realistically, is what's happening. So when I see these kids, like, not even just kids, just everybody, it's so crazy to think about the person next to you and at any given time therefore you page because tiktok has a billion users like everybody's on tiktok therefore you page can be completely different than yours like they could be looking at videos in a niche that you didn't even know existed so what i think of myself is like what are again it goes back to the responsibility that tiktok has and tiktok's algorithm because i worry that they're pushing videos that are being put out for views for the purpose of being inflammatory that are making these kids potentially fall down pipelines like the alt-right pipeline um pipelines that are encouraging homophobia that are encouraging misogyny misogyny is rampant on that app because of these videos of people being like 
oh, you find out this girl's transgender, what are you doing? And those are the videos that get the most engagement, meaning those are the videos that get the most reach. And when you have such a young user base, that's who it's going to get to eventually. And then if they like that video, the next video, TikTok says, oh, you like these type of videos? Let's show you more. So and then they think that this is the world. They don't realize that this is an algorithm showing them this type of content and that there's so much content on this app that they're not seeing. There's an entire other side that they're not seeing to this. So they get this worldview. And then when they when I do appear on their For You page, they're like, well, all these other videos agree that this is crazy, that this is a girl dressing in a scandalous manner. Let me write a hate comment. And they think that's okay. And they go out in the world and say to their friends in school, like, oh, wrist check, because they saw all these videos of people duetting uh, kids who dress weird and saying wrist check. So that's like what I like what I see as the main problem with that is that these algorithms are not balanced and they're not real. They're creating worlds for all of us, for me as well, where sometimes I have to remember like TikTok does not look like my for you. Like TikTok does not look like old fashioned and all liberals and not, well not yeah, there's a lot of liberals on TikTok and all like leftism and these type of things for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's also TikTok is not representative of like the world for most of us um and that can be both a good thing and a very very bad thing because while you can find you know like a safe space you can find a community you can find especially like maybe you're like a queer person in a tiny town and you don't know any other queer people you can find that online but then also you know it kind of insulates you in this little bubble and you're not talking to anybody in real life that doesn't have this extensive internet online presence that so many people on tiktok have yeah and i got a comment today as well from a girl and she was like you're the only like one of the only like one out of two people i think she said that i know that has you see and when i see your videos i feel less alone and for me it's the exact same because i'm like in real life i don't know anybody who has ulcerative colitis i feel like it's someone of a rare disease as well so i was even surprised that on tiktok i could reach people who had it like that seemed like it would uh, be a coincidence because there's not like that big a demographic for it. So I agree with you completely again, where it's like you can get this great sense of community on there and that can help you because if you're somebody who's feeling alone um, and you see somebody like me who's saying, look at all these things that I'm doing that I have and I have the same disease as you, that can be very inspiring and very helpful for you. Um, of course, there's a whole other angle to that where it's like, well, you know, you got to be careful with how you're broad- how you're portraying your disease and this kind of thing. You have to be realistic. Um, you know, don't be clout chasing. You know, always like girls. But yeah, I completely, I completely agree as well with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, take it to a little bit of a, a lighter topic, I guess. Uh, you just said, look at all these things that I'm doing. Look at all the stuff that you're doing. <laughs> you're so you're 18, right? Yeah. So you're yes. two years older than me at most. Um, oh, wow. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, you're two years older than me at most. You've got, like, what, 80,000 TikTok followers? Uh, 89,000 today. 89? Didn't you celebrate 80,000, like, three days ago? Yeah. TikTok is crazy. It's, like, growth like crazy. 89,000. Congrats. Oh, my God. Thank you. That is, that is what, four times bigger than my hometown five times more than five times bigger than the town I'm in right now 
That's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got, like... Never thought about it like that. Yeah. There's... I know Madeline Pendleton on TikTok. Every time she hits a follower milestone, she compares all the U.S. cities she's bigger than to it. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I That's think so she... Funny. Yeah, she's, like... Like, she compares... She has, like, 600,000, I think, right now. And she's like, yeah, we're bigger than Minneapolis. We're bigger than Fresno. We're bigger than Sacramento, California. I think That's they're so bigger funny. than Jacksonville, Florida. Like, all this stuff. I love that. I love her. Her content is great, too. It is. Um, but, like, you have, like, brand deals. Obviously, a really cool style. You're, like, educating people on TikTok. You, you're you just doing all of this really, really cool stuff. Thank you. Yeah. So, is there advice that you would give to your younger self? And then what advice do you think younger you would give back oh man i mean the younger me was still pretty crazy (laughs) (laughs) like younger me would probably look at me and be like yo you're cool as heck like thank you but um i was very like how young how young are we talking let's say like eight let's do eight eight yeah because you're like you're like a kid like you really don't know how a lot of things work at eight but you can still like talk oh man i would tell her stop watching tv you're gonna need glasses um no eight no okay eight that's like before life even began yeah Um, eight is when you're sitting there and you're like i'm gonna be a fashion designer and a ballerina and i'm gonna be a scuba diver and i'm gonna be a teacher and i'm gonna be a fireman and like you're just yeah. You're right. You know, actually, what I said, I said that I was going to be, I had a lot of people always ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I had a few answers. One was I wanted to be the Walmart greeter. I gave up <laughs> on that dream. I don't know why, but I used to say I want to be the greeter at Walmart, the person who says hi to everybody. I, again, I think it's like in my entertainment, my show business, I just wanted to interact with people, you know, I was, or maybe I was just super lonely. Um, I used to say I want to be Pikachu. What do you want to be when you grow up? Pikachu. Why not? Because I don't want to answer the question, to be honest. I, I didn't know. I never knew. I still don't know. Um, yeah, I had a few. Oh, circus clown. I said I wanted to be a circus clown as well. Again, entertainment. We see it. We see her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would tell her, don't try and force yourself to not do that. Because when I was saying that, I always had this idea that you can have these dreams of being artistic or doing fun things or like being a dreamer essentially like you can have them but they're just dreams and then I always the whole time I was thinking these things I was thinking like okay but reality is I'm gonna have to be a lawyer or something and then these will always be a hobby and that's what I was being told as well by my parents my grandparents is like yeah you want to dance you can dance but it can't be a priority it can't be before your studies it can't be before what's realistic and I would say to her Forget that. Don't think what's realistic. Do what you want to do. And as soon as you start doing it, you will feel so much better and you will thrive. Because in reality, it was always like I didn't want to fail and I didn't want to go in this direction and then fail. And I was being told that if I went in these artistic directions, that's what would happen. You would fail in life and you would be an outcast and you would be a weirdo and you would not be successful. And once I realized that those were all constructed ideals that you can live outside of and be happy outside of, happier than you would be if you were inside of them, um, that's when I like started actually living life and getting better with all of the things that I was struggling with. I have to think about some things now. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
Also, okay, two follow-up questions. First, you wouldn't happen to be a Leo, would you? No, I'm a Libra. Ah, darn it. I was, yeah, yeah I was kind of, no, no Leo in your chart? No, do you know? I don't know. People always ask me, and I never know. People comment as well, and they're like, oh, are you a Scorpio moon rising? And I'm like, <laughs> I have no idea. Shouldn't you know? You're the spiritual people who diagnose me or something. Dude, I'm, if there is not Leo somewhere in your chart, I'm specifically, I, I'm thinking moon or rising specifically. If there's not Leo, I will be very shocked. So. Yeah. I'm very skeptical. I'm not interested in that stuff at all. Like, I respect people who are. I, I think it's cool, like, that it's, like, an interest and that there's, like, traits. And I'm sure there's validity to it as well, like, to some degree. But I think people are very surprised by that, that I'm not, like, into the astrology sphere. Yeah. It's just a different world to me. I never really got into it. And when I was, like, seeing it, it was, like, those Instagram feed posts that were, like, Libras be, like, and then it would just be <laughs> Any trait that you could apply to any person and then they would relate. I was like, man, what a scam. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there's a thing on the internet right now because so much subculture and stuff is online, especially right now because we're all in COVID and we're all staying inside. Stay inside. Um, but I think there is this idea that like all subcultures can kind of be lumped together. And so like if you dress punk, people are like, you're totally into astrology. And you're like, those two things have no correlation. What are you talking yeah. about? I think I do, I am that, like, I do surprise people in a lot of ways where, in a lot of ways, I am very typical, where it's like, wow, of course you're a film major, and you dress crazy, and, you know, you're feminist, like, wow, so you're the stereotype, but then it's like, oh, but you're not into astrology, oh, but you're good at math, like, what? And so I, I think, it's just, it's a matter of, like, breaking the stereotypes, you know, like, people are dynamic at the end of the day, the bottom line, in literally everything that I have a problem with is that people are dynamic, like, you see a disabled person, you say, you don't look disabled. People are dynamic. Not all disabled people look the same, you know? Or, oh, you are disabled, but you dance. Same thing. Like, all these types of, you're a brown girl. Why aren't your parents strict? Or why are your parents strict? Mine aren't. Like, just people in one category don't all have the same traits. Yeah. And any, and that, at the end of the day, that's why all these assumptions, generalizations, stereotypes are dumb and stupid. <laughs> Yeah. Dumb and stupid. Dumb and you stupid. You heard it here first. <laughs> you can quote me on that. I, you know what? That'll just be like the next social media post is promoting this. It's just dumb and stupid. Guess who said that? There you go. That's my title page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, so you mentioned, you talk about a lot about your family. I think a video of you and your grandma popped up on my For You page this morning. Um, and I thought, yeah, and I thought it was really cute because, like, my grandmother is here with us right now. Um, she was supposed to go back a little while ago and then all flights to India got cut off, so she's here indefinitely. Um, but I was like, that's so cute. I love it so much. Which one was that, you know? I think it was, it was one of the ones where, um, you dressed her or, like, or she, like, took your clothes or something like that. Oh, yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. That Mm -hmm. was a collaboration with Killstar. So, and that made it really good. That, so, what happened was, to give the whole rundown of this series, because it is super funny, like, I, I love it. It's super wholesome as well. I started a series where I would I would dress up and then get my family's reaction. So, my grandma, my nanichi, or my mom, 
And because of comments that I was getting that were like, oh, show this to her aunties or like, oh, wait till her mom sees this, right? Or like, your parents must be disappointed. So that's why I actually started the series was because of those comments. And I just wanted to prove them wrong, like to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, and I started the first video where I went to my grandma and I was like, hey, do you like my, Narnie, do you like my outfit? And then, you know, the reaction, you can watch the TikTok that happened. It's super wholesome interaction. She liked the outfit. And the dress I was wearing was a dress that Killstar, the alternative fashion brand, had sent me for a collaboration. Um, but that wasn't the sponsored post. So I did the sponsored post for them. And that video didn't do that well. And then I did this video just like off the cuff, like just whatever, because my because she walked in the room, literally just because she walked in the room, I filmed it. And that video got like 300,000 views of her reacting to that outfit. So then I did another one where after Killstar saw the video, they sent another dress for her because all the comments were tagging her, were tagging Killstar and saying, get her a dress because in the video she says, oh, I like that dress. Um, and then that video did really well too. It got like, is that like 30,000 right now, I think. So yeah, that's the story behind that series. And then now my Naniji moved out. So now the series is dead, but we'll probably continue with my mom reacts to my outfits, maybe, mm -hmm. um, depending on how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like people are, this is why like wholesome representation and holistic representation is important because people are always surprised when Indian parents aren't, like, super, super strict and, like, 100% like, you got a 98, retake that test until you get 115. Like, that's, no, come on. Nobody has the yeah. energy. First of all, I know, like, one person who does that. Like, I know a lot of brown people. I know one person whose parents are like that. Like, my mom let me cut off on my hair, like, two days ago. It's, they're different because they're full people. They're not just, like, one-dimensional stereotypes that can be reduced to, like, straight. And they care about your grades or whatever. Exactly. And I did a TikTok about this too, where I talked about the stereotype that like, oh, you're brown, your parents must be so strict. And the comments on that were like other brown girls, first of all, being like, yeah, my parents are strict, but I don't listen to them. Or like some being like, my parents aren't strict at all. Or, oh, you're so lucky. My parents are super strict. And there were white people commenting like, my parents are super, super strict and we're white. So it's like, again, like there's different types of cultures that, have certain attachments to them that are just stereotypes and it's like to apply them because of the range of any type of people and any demographic it's just stupid like you make yourself look dumb you make yourself look ignorant at the end of the day mm -hmm. and then also like when people are talking about indian stereotypes specifically like india as a country south asia as a as a as a region is so diverse that like mm -hmm. you said you were um punjabi i'm Telugu, so i'm south indian you're North Indian. Like, the culture difference between those two is so different and so diverse that, yeah. like, there's, like, a saying that, that you could drive, like, 100 kilometers and the food and the language and the customs in India change every 100 kilometers. Exactly. Exactly. And even, like, I saw this great TikTok where somebody was talking about, like, well, in her context, um, she was talking about how um, she keeps getting comments about modesty. And she was like, even in my own culture, like in her specific Indian culture, modesty is not like their gods are literally naked. Like their gods are literally wearing these like tops that are revealing their breasts and uh, like their body parts. So she's saying like 
she's people she's getting comments where people are complaining that she's being immodest and she's saying that even in her own culture modesty is not regarded in that way as a as like a sin because her own gods and her own idols dress in the way the female ones at least or the female presenting ones dress in the way that she dresses where they reveal their body parts mm-hmm. and yeah and i saw a tiktok about this it might be from the same person is it um it might have been the same person uh but she did a post for she's guyanese and she did a post for um indian survival day and she was talking about how even just for saudis like a lot of time blouses like the under blouse and then the petticoats are a british invention or a british introduction because that didn't exist in india before you know british sensibilities of like modesty and like oh my god you need to cover up that's not proper that's not right came in i didn't know that yeah so like my my dad talks about it and he talks about his grandmother or his great-grandmother i can't remember and he was like she never wore a blouse she didn't care. She never wore a petticoat. She didn't care. All of the women in my family didn't. It's only, you know, recently that that's been, like, such an adopted custom, and it's because of British influence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these ideals are completely colonial that you don't even realize. Or sometimes, like, when you can't trace the origins, there's a good chance that they are colonial as well. Mm-hmm. Like, that you just, and we just don't know that they were originated like that. Yeah, because so much of our history and so much of our records have been destroyed by colonization that a lot of it is just like a massive question mark that you kind of have to trace back and see exactly and i never want to be like the spokesperson for india or for indian culture in any way especially punjabis because like oh my gosh holy i can't get a break if i say i'm indian i'm screwed if i say i'm punjabi i'm screwed like mm-hmm. yeah if i say i'm sick i'm screwed if i'm hindu i'm screwed can't have an identity you know because yeah. everybody's against everybody yeah. Um, and I'm, like, in the middle of them, so. Yeah, you um, talk, I think a couple, I don't know if the video's still up, but you talked about being half Sikh, half Hindu, because you were, like, half of my family is Sikh, half of it is Hindu. It's not that yeah. part of a concept to grasp. And the comments yeah. were people fighting you on your own identity. Yeah. Which is well, so stupid. The, I, yeah, the thing is, was I wasn't, I, I, don't, I never want to make any comment about either religion or any, like, political separation or anything like that so in that video even in that video i never made any judgment on anybody and people were still so upset but really what i was doing is i was just explaining myself because i made the mistake of saying of referring to myself as half sick half hindu which a lot of people were not happy with so i said okay i understand um but what i what i mean by that when i said that was that I lived half in a Sikh household, half in Hindu one. That's how I grew up. That's it. That's all I said. <laughs> and then, yeah, there's people who, like, who are talking about Sikhism and how it contradicts Hinduism. So you can't be half Sikh, half Hindu. I'm like, listen, I'm not arguing none of that. I have no problem with your beliefs. I have no problem with your opinion. All I'm saying is this is the way I grew up, and I just wanted to share that with people. And there's a lot of other people nowadays who grew up the same way, even in India. There's a lot of interfaith marriages as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. People will assign you a stance, essentially, where yeah. they'll say, like, you're invalidating my religion. I'm saying I have no such stance against I'm not against anybody's religion. I have no intention of invalidating anybody's, contradicting anybody's anything. I even said in that video, I don't even consider myself a, 
a religious person at this point in my life. I'm just saying that's how I was brought up. So they have, I have these influences in my life and I still have religious holidays that I celebrate with my families and things. So now you see me posting for the Wally. That's why. (laughs) It's, I don't know. It's ridiculous how people will jump to fight you over something that you never even said or implied. You're like, I didn't, why are you mad at me? I didn't do anything. Yeah, and it's like, I don't have a problem. I actually, I really like productive discourse where and if I am hurting somebody in some in any way, I want to know. If I'm saying something that's offensive, I want to know. So I'm happy that people are speaking out and discussing it. Um, but it's just, with again, with these 60-second videos, it's so easy to make assumptions and assign people a stance. Like, you can assign that I'm a fake, disabled person because you see me dancing. You can assign that I'm, uh, like, denouncing Hinduism by being sick, by being raised sick, but it's not like that. All right. So let's go back to monsters because I feel like this conversation could, I feel like we could just both keep talking about it all day because there's so much to talk about and so much to discuss. Um, Yeah. um, So moving back to monsters, do you believe in them? Do you believe in like ghosts Actually, I saw somebody. I saw somebody make a very good checklist of these, and be like, "This can tell you a lot about a person," which I don't know how much it can tell you, but I don't know how much it can tell you. But I think it's an interesting question. And that's, do you believe? Well, now I'm scared. <laughs> do you believe in? Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe in aliens? Do you believe in vampires? And do you believe in mermaids? Okay, I think yes to everything except vampires. Um. Because vampires, are, I think, are too specific to be, to be, uh... This is how you know you yeah. didn't do the research. <laughs> Sorry. My first, my first episode was on vampires, and in it, I'm like, literally every culture has, like, some version of a vampire. Um, so, like, in India, we have, uh... I am blanking on the name. I also didn't do the research. Crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wait, didn't vampires come, they came from... Not Mary Shelley, but the author who inspired Mary Shelley to write Frankenstein, like Nosferatu. Before then, there was an author. He wrote a story about, and it was gothic literature about vampires. Like he literally made it up for that story. The guy who did Dracula. So vampires as like a creature have kind of existed in a lot of different folklores. Um, there's like a Filipino version. There's an Indian version. I can't remember the name of. I'm well, define like, vampire, because, like... Yeah, exactly. I think, like, so I talk, I, I talk about them in the episode where I'm like, yeah, it's hard to tell, like, what's a vampire. But Eastern European traditions have had, like, vampires for a long time. That's, like, something drinks your blood, and then you die, and they go stronger. And then the guy who wrote Dracula kind of cemented a lot of stereotypes. You know, like, the count that lives in a castle in Transylvania with, like, the, the thick accent who's, like, very fancy. Um, there were other Victorian literatures. There was... Like, I think there was a guy, like, there were other Victorian writers who kind of did their own takes on the vampire story, but that specific that specific monster has existed in Eastern Europe for a really long time. Um, but I get what you're saying about it being, like, too specific, because it's really hard to define what a vampire is. And then also, if you showed, like, an Eastern European peasant from 1780 Twilight, they'd be like, that's not a vampire. What the heck are you talking yeah. about? Well, I mean, when I say specific, I mean, because I feel like you could, you could, I might be wrong, specifically trace where these, this lore came from, because, like, um, 
yeah, like a characteristic of, of gothic literature was the gothic villain lives in a castle. So it's like, well, there you go. That's why they have this notion that there's someone who lives in a castle and like in an isolated remote area. And then you have like these other folklore of like, those are probably harder to trace of like Swedish folklore and like Norwegian folklore. They have all these different renditions of like, um, the bad man who comes and steals you from your steals your children from their bed or mm-hmm. steals their bones or whatever um but they're not they're not all the same so that's where i'm like well i feel like there's some amalgamation of all this different lore that you can attest our modern day understanding of vampires to or tribute that understanding to whereas like when i think of ghosts i'm like ghosts are so broad and yes in every culture like no matter where you go in the world people will understand and have some type of like connection to ghosts and like mm-hmm. some version of ghosts like it, it, it to me i think like yeah they have, like, of course it's something valid to believe in because literally everybody in every part of the world knows what you're talking about mm-hmm. and then aliens are kind of similar as well where i think like the world is just way too big like the universe is way too big for there to not be some other form of life and people say like oh well aliens like you can understand aliens as so much of a thing because if you understand aliens as just something else like alive like then yeah we already know aliens exist like there's other forms of life in the like yeah there's like bacteria found on mars yeah exactly so yeah yeah that's my oh and mermaids i just Again, like, the ocean is so freaking big. Do you know how much ocean there is that we just haven't seen? Like, oh, my gosh. Ocean is scarier than space. Holy frick. Sometimes I go on, um, like, Reddit. They have, there's, there's a subreddit, like, deep sea creatures. And, wow, there's, like, these weird centipede things in there. I would probably cry if I, I'm afraid of the ocean now because of that subreddit. No, yeah, I used to read a lot of fiction. Now when I read, I read, like, stuff that I I feel like I have to read. Like I read a lot of theory, nonfiction. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I don't know. I see so many people talking about. You know, they're like, "Oh, I love to read in middle school, and I'd read like fifteen books a day, and then now I don't read anymore." And it's like, okay, well, in middle school you were reading Percy Jackson and Warrior Cats, and now yeah. you're reading like prison abolition sources and the Odyssey. Exactly. Literally, literally, like, one of the last books I read was Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis. So, there you go. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good book. But also, like, obviously it's going to be a little bit more difficult to digest, like, you know, these, these very serious, like, real-world issues. And also these, you know, very complex works of, like, classic literature that take a lot of brain power than it was to, you know, read Percy Jackson and Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Captain Underpants exactly yeah and you know what i feel like a lot of times we scare ourselves like i reread frankenstein and i was wanting to read it for so long and i just didn't um and then when i did i was like i'm so glad i did like i'm so glad i just forced myself to do it because i don't know why i was thinking like oh it's not gonna be fun to read like it's gonna be a drag to Mm -hmm. like even attempt to read at that reading level and it wasn't like surprisingly and also like i think because a lot of perfectionists have this problem where you don't want to start something if you're unsure of the result it could also just be an anxiety thing i think people with anxiety disorders have this problem as well where you're afraid of the result of just trying it 
but like I always have to remind myself like just try it like just do it like because at the end of the day if you don't like it you could stop you have that option you're in an environment where you can put the book down or like for me like getting myself to do this podcast like you're in an environment where you know if he doesn't work out don't do another podcast like but just try it like for like one advice like that, that that's probably a better advice that I would give to myself like just go for things as well because mm-hmm. like, uh, my anxiety always prevented me from going for things like I had really debilitating anxiety um and I still struggle with it but now like I have that conscious battle going on where I can tell myself like just do it like, I still have to tell myself but I, I think there's a lot of other people that could benefit from that as well and realizing like that you can have that confidence to just try things without being like this perfect confident being you know like mm-hmm. You just have to have just enough willpower to want to try it. And I think a lot of us do have it. We just don't give ourselves the credit for having it. Yeah. And I think Does that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, and I think it's also like, especially as you get a little bit older, it's kind of easy to forget that like a lot of stuff nobody is forcing you to do, but it could make you happier. So if, exactly. yeah, you know, if you're like, Oh, I'm, I don't know. I've never eaten Korean food. I have eaten Korean food. Um, this is an example. But you're like, I've never eaten Korean food and I'm really scared and I just don't, I don't know what, if I would like it. I don't know if I, you know, what if I like really hate the meal, whatever. There's nobody sitting there like holding a gun to your head being like, you got to finish your dinner or else the police are going to get called. Absolutely not. That's, no, you can go in and go, hey, I really like this thing and I didn't like this thing and I might come back and I might not. Like, yeah, like there's, especially as you get older, like, there, you have a lot more obligations, like, for school and work and all that stuff, but you also have a lot more freedom in what you do and what you can enjoy. Yeah. One of the things I think is a super great trick that always works on me, um, and I feel like it could help a lot of other people as well, is when I'm, like, doubting myself and being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't try this, or maybe I shouldn't even try to, like, submit to this magazine or try to pitch myself to this brand... I think to myself that like, remember you had the same feeling about this thing and then you did it and something great happened. Mm-hmm. So like for me, I'm like, well, remember you are so terrified to enter the skills competition. So I entered the TV and video production skills competition and you were so terrified to go and you're so terrified every step of the way. You were so terrified waiting for the result. And you were thinking, oh my gosh, you definitely failed. And then you won the gold medal and you won the whole thing. So now every time I have like some type of doubt where I'm like maybe I shouldn't pitch to this brand like maybe I shouldn't even bother emailing them I'm too small whatever or maybe I shouldn't put my photography for this zine right then I think of that specific instance so I think if you have even one thing and it can be something tiny like it can be like well I was scared to do this and then something good happens you could still trick yourself into thinking it's not even a trick that's real like you did this you've overcome this feeling before Mm -hmm. you can do it again right now and there's a good chance that it'll pay off well for you and then the other side of it which doesn't always work is like thinking like okay what's the worst case scenario like for me for certain things it's like worst case scenarios it's that they say no but that one doesn't work for everything because Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like well the worst case scenario is that I go up there and embarrass myself and get canceled and have to go into hiding for the rest of my (laughs) life and move into an igloo it's like yeah you that one's not a one-size-fits-all approach yeah, like you, it's very easy to start spiraling. You're like, what's the worst yeah. thing that happens if I get a bad grade on this test? And you're like, I'm going to drop out of school and be a troll and live under a bridge. And I'm going to disappoint everybody <laughs> yeah. I've ever loved. And it's, yeah, yeah so 
<laughs> but the, I think the first thing that you said is actually like a, a really great coping mechanism because a lot of what I've heard about anxiety is it's a very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to say dramatic because that's not exactly what I mean. Yeah, it's but not it, dramatic, but it's it kind intense. of It's like a tunnel vision kind of thing. Like it kind of blocks yeah. out everything that you have done up until this point and makes you feel like you're, you're inexperienced and you're new and you don't know anything, um, even yeah. when that's not true. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's literally summed it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. You summed it up perfectly. That's what, <laughs> I, that's what it feels like. And it's so hard to remind people. Like, oh, well, just know that it's not true. And it's like, well, you can know that logically and you still have to steal it because yeah. that's what it is at the end of the day. It's, like, it's an illness, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, you might even need medication to balance it out because you have this feeling that you're not confident enough and you could have that for a variety of reasons maybe something happened to your childhood you were invalidated then so now you constantly validate yourself but even so even though you know logically that it might not be true you still struggle with it and a lot of people don't understand that side of it yeah and um i don't know i feel like when people say they're like oh it's you know it's not true or you know you know like this thing is right like why is your anxiety getting in the way it's it's, it's mental illness it's yeah you, you also like it's in your head, yeah, but that's also where you know stuff. Everything kind of gets jumbled up into this giant pot of mixed signals, and then it's really difficult to get things done or to kind of figure out what's real or what's valuable or what's important. And so many people are like, oh, like people don't even consider mental illness as something real. Like, especially like if you're not diagnosed, which makes it like I am diagnosed, so I don't have this anymore, but it's still like it's this cycle, it's this trap, because it's so hard to get mental health services that are accessible, so it's super hard to get diagnosed, and people are not going to validate you because of that, first of all, they're going to be like, well, you're just thinking that you have this mental illness, You there's a good chance you don't have it, when you could know full well that you probably do, and you're just not able to get diagnosed, mm-hmm. which is what I, the situation that I was in, and then, yeah, what happened to me is I did get diagnosed, and it was very close to what I thought was going on, so, like, it's this cycle like it's this like losing game essentially and then people and then when you do get diagnosed it's like people say oh well it's just a mental illness like just get over it mm-hmm. or oh it's just in your head and it's like people don't understand that the brain is an organ just like anything else you know like i have a physical disability where my organs my i have internal bleeding and that's just as valid as my brain that has an illness in there because yeah. a brain can get a disease and then sickness just like any other organ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when people say it's all in your head, yeah, it's mental. And when people say, oh, it's not that bad, no, it's it's an illness. That's why they that's why they called it a mental illness, because it's, it's all right there in one neat little package. So we did kind of start going down a heavy route, once again, to bring the mood up. Um, <laughs> a couple more monster questions. Uh, so if you could transform into one mythical creature slash monster slash like fantasy creature it's like vampires werewolves mermaid fair folk whatever for a day what would you be and why i'd probably be invisible man Ooh, interesting answer why (laughs) i wasn't expecting that well i just think it would be funny like you could go freak some stuff up you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I would like confuse some people and then it's like 
it's only like, you know, if you had tests or something like that day, I would choose to do it on the day when I had like a test. I would be invisible man. I'll go look at the answers. I'll come back. Boom. <laughs> Graduated. PhD. So chaos and cheating. Yeah. <laughs> well, what am I to say? I wish that I was a fairy so that I could fly in the sky and bring the clouds to the world and feed all the hungry children. Thank you. That's my answer. <laughs> you want, is that the answer you want? The pageant girl answer? I always think it's so funny when people are like, well, what, what would you do if you could do anything? Be like, I would end poverty. Like, well, listen, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, but the question, realistically, I don't think anyone needs to hear that from me. Um, invisible man. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer so much. Uh, it's currently exam season, so. I uh, one, oh, yeah. I agree with your with your answers one hundred percent. Thank you. College board, if you heard that, that was a lie. That was a joke. Please don't invalidate my scores. I'm scared of you. <laughs> well, what do they think? You're gonna go be the Invisible Man too, <laughs> dude? They so they um the College Board. You're not American. You're you're right. Yeah. Um. So the Can College Board they make you sign a little waiver before like every test you take, especially with the SATs and PSATs. That's like, oh, you won't share any parts of this. You won't talk about the questions. You won't do anything like that. So they make you sign it, and then if you go on Twitter after the exam, it's just people making memes. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have something similar. We have EQAO. Um, well, I just remember in high school, like we had EQAO, and then it was the same. Like when you would go on t- online after on Instagram or anything, it was just all EQAO memes, like everybody talking about. It. And it was so specific because it was literally the questions that were on the test. Like it was like one year there was some question about frogs. And then, like, all the memes were, like, frogs when they are jumping at 25 kilometers. Like, it was so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am, I don't know, I'm not ready for school to be over. But at the same time, why exams? Why tests? Facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, my school ended, so. <laughs> I'm finally free. Well, my school didn't end. It ended for the semester. Um, but it was so crazy. Oh my gosh, my laptop broke. I and... saw that. Is your is your laptop okay? Do you get a new one? Are you? No. Oh no. <laughs> no, I still have a laptop, and I, every day I'm sad about it because I'm like, like even earlier today I was painting, and I was like, well, now I'm bored of painting. I wish I had my laptop so I could DJ. Or like, literally, my whole life is like digital. Like I was, I want to do digital art. I have my drawing tablet, but I have no laptop, and I'm like. I want to go live on TikTok and play music, but I can't because I have no laptop, no more. And it's like, I want to edit my videos. I want to start making YouTube videos so bad. People keep requesting them. And I'm sure when I make them, like, they'll only be getting, like, 10 views. But I just want to make them. Like, I just want to start. And I can't because I have no laptop. So that's my status. And I had to finish my end of the semester. Like, keep in mind, I'm in film school. So I had to finish my end of semester, like, on everybody else's computers. And, like, nobody had, like, editing software, so I had to download my editing software onto my sister's computer, but she plays Minecraft all day, so she was, like, not happy that I was stealing her computer every day, and then I had to write my essays on my phone and on my mom's laptop, so it was, like, a whole mission just to finish the semester, like, I was really struggling, but thank God it's over now, I can just make TikToks and be useless all day. (laughs) That's, that's the dream, that is the dream. So, unless you have something else you want to bring up? We are almost at the lightning round, which is just, yeah, I know. There's a twist ending. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, you get a zero. I'm so sorry. You failed. Um, no. <laughs> no, it's it's not a test. Don't worry about it. It's I'm just going to ask you to pick between two things very quickly. You can, like, rationalize. You can talk about it. I say lightning round. It's just because it's a lot of fast questions. Um, I got you. Yeah, but you can, like, talk about it. You can discuss. Whatever. So, three, two, one. Black or pink? Man, this is hard <laughs> question. First question you got me. I can't choose between both of them. Both of them. Both? Yeah, come on. At the same time. Uh, Why even make me choose one of them? One day I want to be spooky and one day I want to be a Barbie doll. You know what that works. Okay. <laughs> Vampires or werewolves? Vampires. Mm. Yeah. Um. Star Wars versus Star Trek. Star Wars. Have you seen them? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know that trend that's- I don't know- I don't even know if I can call it a trend. You know that trend that's going around that's like- People making videos going, bro, I don't know about any of this stuff. My parents were immigrants. And it's like, yeah, Billy- yeah, yeah, I love yeah, those yeah. videos. It's like Billy Joel, Star Wars, Dog Breeds, Meatloaf. Yeah. Nobody knows what Meatloaf is. If you know what Meatloaf is, email me. I'm confused. <laughs> or like, tweet meatloaf. me. What yeah, is Meatloaf? Yeah, we have Meatloaf experts on call. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I, I haven't. I haven't, you know what? They have both have like crazy fandoms. And I haven't, like, I don't know the lore, so if I say something wrong about them, like, literally all I know about Star Wars is, like, Chewbacca, like, and, uh, Jar Jar Binks, and Anakin Skywalker, and Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren is so fine, oh my gosh, I freaking love Adam Driver. I might have to hang up on you now. I'm getting canceled for buying Star Wars fans. You're getting canceled by me for thinking Kylo Ren is hot. Gee, so I love Adam Driver, he's so fine. Have you seen him on Marriage Story? He's so talented. I, I, ha- I turned that movie off after like 15 minutes. I was Why, like, it's too heavy? No, I was just like, I don't care. I was like, oh, oh no, uh, they're, fi- they're yelling. If I wanted to see two people yell at each other, I could just like go downstairs. It's not, Mom, I love you. I love you. Bro, it was so real. My parents were divorced. I literally cried. I watched that movie and I cried. That's why I like, wow. And Scarlett Johansson playing her own race is just always a good thing. What do you mean she's so. Asian? <laughs> she's one of us. She's ours now. <laughs> we've we've yeah. claimed her. Um, I, I don't want to, but we have, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I think you were asking. I keep I keep bringing up references to your TikToks because I'm like, and I feel like it makes do me sound like a, I feel like it makes me sound like a stalker. I promise I'm not like no, stalking you. No, it means you're a good research podcaster. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I'm happy somebody's watching my TikToks. I'm spending all day making them. <laughs> okay, uh, but I think you uh, you made a TikTok a little while back talking about like people's favorite movies. Um, I don't remember the context. It was like yesterday. Of, yeah, it was yesterday. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 been. A weird year and a half. Um, my brain doesn't work anymore. But my two favorites were like the half of it and then Spotlight, which are like. Oh, you commented. I did. I saw your comment. Did I respond? Yeah, I think you did. You said I had good taste, which was nice to hear. Um, but it's also like, I don't know. It feels weird when people are like, "Oh, this movie is so great," and I'm sitting here. I'm like, I have no film education. I don't care about movies. I watch like 15 minutes of everything and then I turn it off. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. So. Yeah. Well, it's just like anything. Like, exactly. Like, people will sometimes say, like, I talk about movies and they're like, wow, like, you're so, like, you're, you're so, like, that's so deep. Like, as if I'm like, 
I'm like a film student understanding and I'm like yeah it's because I'm in film school like I learned (laughs) I learned to analyze and look for these things like any Mm -hmm. other type of school like but I feel like for art people like consider you as like this upper echelon it's like no you can study it like any other thing there's all these like characteristics certain films have and it's like there's so much to learn so it's like if you know the right keyword the right human terminology you could basically talk about any movie yeah yeah I feel like you're right, like, people assume arts are, like, either you're super rich and fancy, or you're, like, born super talented, and yeah, you're, like, naturally <laughs> good at it, and I mean, I guess there is, like, a little bit of, like, oh, you know, you're naturally inclined to things, but there's also, like, a lot of work involved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you summed it up. I don't even know what to add. It's, like, I can, I can talk about my personal experience, but it's, like, I pretty much already did it, where it's, like, I was always kind of inclined to entertainment and this type of like artistic things so I don't really but then like I like now I study it so it's like you have to get well you don't have to but there's like a lot of different angles to these things like back to the lightning (laughs) round (laughs) back to the lightning round let's do this um all right so visual arts like um, photography, film, that kind of stuff versus like literary arts. Visual. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I love writing too. Yeah, that one's a hard choice. I'm sorry. I'm making you choose between no, your it's babies. Okay. Um, all right, fashion-wise, the '80s. So like we're talking fun '80s, like aerobics, but also like punk, you know, grunge, that kind of stuff that was just starting around there. Love kids. Yeah. Or the 90s. So we're doing, like, late grunge, kind of like Naomi Campbell, very sleek. We saw a lot of it come back in style recently. Yeah, when I think 90s, I definitely think, like, high fashion, like Chanel. Mm -hmm. I would say 80s because that's where it's, like, that's the the grassroots, baby. That's, like, the the hippie area's ending. Well, not ending, but it's, like, it's established. So I would say 80s because that's, like, the epicenter for me. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you start seeing these trends that started in the streets hit the runways, and that's where all these big fancy designers are stealing their their inspiration from. But then there were like these legends, like Alexander McQueen, was doing these crazy shows. So that's a hard one, but the eighties, yeah. I think, for sure. Yeah. Um, lightning round. We keep getting distracted because you're really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. All right. Let's do a mini music thing. Okay. MCR, Panic at the Disco, early days. Fallout Boy early days. MCR. Hands down, like no contest. Yeah, no contest. Well, Panic at the Disco was like really like talented. Like Brandon York himself is really talented, but like he's canceled. Like he's too. He's always doing some nonsense, and I feel like his personality now too is like also bothering me. Fallout Boy, I never really got into. It's like, like, which is surprising. I feel like because they also have good songs and good music, but mm-hmm. I can't get over like the all those songs I kept hearing in the mall. Fall Out Boy is very pop punk. It is yeah. it is both pop and punk. And if you don't like that, it's not gonna be your thing. Well, they're not pop punk. I feel like they there's times when they go they're they're alternative rock that has gone fully pop. Like Imagine like, Dragons I Part punk, Two. I think like Pierce the Veil, Sigma mm-hmm. Sirens. They never had those mall hits like that, like smash hits like that. That they just got so overplayed that now it like bothers me. So that's like kept me away from Fall Out Boy. And then Michael Roberts is just like 
draw our ways on another plane of existence, bro. Like, mm-hmm. this guy is literally, like, one of those crazy talented people that you're just, like, how, did, how are you even real? Like, the soundtracks that he's done, the shows he literally wrote the Umbrella Academy. Like, the guy literally wrote Umbrella Academy. And these songs, like, Cancer is literally a masterpiece. Like, these songs, and then, like, they have, like, Welcome to the Black Parade, which is, like, literally, like, cultural reset like that is ingrained in every emo the gino like that's just ingrained in every emo like how can you even compare mm-hmm. yeah it's almost like i don't think i would say i'm thankful that mcr stopped making music when they stopped making music but i do think that if they kept going and like kept making music it, they wouldn't be seen as like as highly like, the, that happens with, like, almost every band, right? Like, the, the longer you go on, like, the worse the music gets in, all, in almost all cases. But, like, yeah. yeah. I don't think so, because I think they're one of those bands that's actually genuinely good, so that they, like, I feel like if they did in an alternate universe stay together, their music would still be ever-evolving. Like, I consider them, like, this might be, like, a high comparison, but I consider them, like, one of those types of bands, like Radiohead, like, where since they're so, like, musically, like, aware and inclined and talented that they would be able to just keep making music that's good where i feel like there's other like artists that fall off it's because like they don't know where to go from there they don't actually have like that musical skill i don't want to say i don't want to like speak to anybody's skill but there's always like some trick that they're doing that stops working Mm -hmm. or they go into another genre because the trick stopped working like or they start making pop music, and it's like, I don't think that Michael Gromix is a band that's going to start making pop music, or that's going to fall off in that way. Yeah, but I, like, get everything you're saying, but I'm also, like, I'm thinking about the tour that they had pl- that they had planned for last December. Yeah, the reunion tour. And it feels so much like a cash grab, and everything about it was kind of like, we need money, give us some money! Um... John Mulaney reference. It, whatever. Um, <laughs> you sounded like him. We want to give, but only if it's money. But yeah, like I was, thinking, I was thinking about their tour that they had planned, and I was like, it feels like a cash grab. It feels like like a reunion tour without any new music, without really any publicity of them together. That's just going on like their name and the strength of the fact that like if you were fifteen in like two thousand nine when they were, like, super big, you have money to see them now, and you're kind of relying on nostalgia. I don't know, it felt weird. I don't really mind if it's a cash grab either way, because I feel like, like, that is something that people are begging for, like, people are dying for, like, imagine, like, people have such a strong connection to their music, to their, like, band, like, this fan base, um, like, people are literally reselling tickets to their last concerts for, like, hundreds of dollars, like, when they Mm -hmm. broke up, so it's, like, I feel like because it's still like it's giving the people what they want at the end of the day like that's mm-hmm. what the people wanted like you got a chance to go see this band like if it is for the nostalgia like I, I think it makes a lot of people super happy like let them go for it what, like, what are they gonna do you know yeah all right pierce the veil or sleeping with sirens i'm so sorry oh my god <laughs> okay first of all just because you said that do you see that quote above my door uh-huh it says if you can't hang then then leave the, the door exactly that's that's a genius brain right there. I put that up in the eighth grade. I made that up myself. Um, but here's the little easy. I just love. I you know, I it's just like I can't believe you asked me this question because now we really are gonna be here all day. Like I actually have <laughs> right now at this very second, I have misadventures on vinyl. 
the red one, the red edition I found it on Depop, in the record player. Because mm. I was listening to it. And I also have Madness by Smooth with Sirens, the Coke Bottle Clear Edition. Addiction, oh my gosh, well, I have an addiction, but it was a Coke Bottle Clear Edition. It was the first record I ever got, Smooth with Sirens Madness. I have that as well um, on vinyl. It is also in the bucket. So, yeah. But I love Pierce the Bell so much. Oh my gosh, they're so good. Look, I have Pierce the Bell Tapestry right here, too. It says, You're my favorite explosion. And behind me, you know, I went to Sleeping Sirens, I saw them live, and Nick saw me, stopped playing, pointed at me, and threw me his guitar pick, and I still have it in my guitar. Dude, what? That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, you know why? Because I drew their logo, like, on my hand, and then I was, I went there early in the day, and I got front row, and then I was like, look, my hand, like, I drew the logo, and then he was like, ah, and he stopped, he pointed at me, so I would get it, because he's like, that's the one with the logo, so he threw it to me, and then I'd actually, like, when he threw it, it fell in front of the rail, um, and I was like, my life is over, but then a security <laughs> guard came, and he gave it to me, um, and he threw another one to, like, a girl, like, a little, like, a little bit to the left of me, um, and then her friend, like, came and found me, and she was like, listen, there's two in front. We need to establish one is for you, because everybody saw you pointed at me. One is for you, and one is for my friend. I was like, hell yeah, I don't care about you, but at least <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, <laughs> so when the security guard came, and she was like, excuse me, can you pick it up? She gave me the other one, so that was a cheap move. Oh, that's really dope. Yeah, and that when I saw that concert when they released Legends, which I hated, it was so horrible, but I wanted to see them live, so I wanted <laughs> and that was like in like 9th or 10th grade I saw them at the Dan Breath Music Hall baby there's a good sprinkler still on my Instagram that night that's dope um, thank you that's a really cool story alright and then a couple more all black or colors like full colors super bright to wear it, in like your day to day life like daily life I'm going to the gro- I'm gonna go to the grocery store and then maybe pick up like ice cream or whatever. I don't know. I'm really all black. I said I'm going go if I'm going to grocery I can't eat ice cream without IVD. Will you not listen to me? What is this? No, I don't I don't I don't I need to Google IVD. I need to Google it. I don't know anything. No, it's okay. I just assume I can't eat anything. No, I'm just joking. I'm just playing with you, don't worry. Okay. I'm gonna cancel I'm not gonna cancel you because you said you asked if I could eat ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so like you go get groceries and then you go pick up like a snack or whatever. What's Probably the fit? That's because that's what I think, you know, that's the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I gotta be mysterious, gotta be spooky. Mm-hmm. You gotta be, like, the cool girl that pulls up to the drive-thru and then leaves, and the cashier is still thinking about her, like, for, like 40 minutes later. Yeah, except it's more like the cool girl who pulls up to the cash register and goes to pay, but I'm shaking too much, so I drop the coins everywhere. And then I have to pick them up and give them, and the cashier is like, listen, there's people behind you in line. So I'm like, well, just give me a second. I'm dropping all the coins. And then I put them there, and then right after I leave, and then they're thinking of me like five seconds later, and they're like, wow, that girl's so dumb. Dude, I was a, like, cashier slash, like, store person for a while. I was, like, the I was like the only person who went store into person. Saturdays. Official job title? Store I'm person. Like, no, because I was, like, person. I was, like, the only person who went into Saturdays. It was, like, tiny bakery in my town. And, like, mm-hmm. I guarantee you, I do not care about the customers five minutes after they leave. Yeah. No, no, I'm idea. sure they don't. I'm 100% <laughs> sure they don't. But there's some people where I feel like they do, like, they're just judging. I'm like, okay, listen, I'm here with a full, like, chains on, jewelry on, but listen, I'm living my life. Like, <laughs> the only people that I kind of thought about were if I, if you got a flavor 
of like we sell like zucchini bread. If you got, don't dox me. Um, but if you got a flavor, <laughs> uh, if you got a flavor of zucchini bread, that I was like, why? There was a lady who came in forty minutes after Joe Biden won the election. She came in American flag mask, American flag T shirt. She had like a camo jacket on. We live in Massachusetts. There's no reason oh, to have a camo jacket. I was literally sitting there like, uh, do I really have to, do I really have to go, do I really have to go serve her? Um, but no, she was like, I want six large plain zucchini breads. And I was like, what on earth are you going to do with six? Uh Huh? Bro. (laughs) That is the one customer I still think about to this day where I'm like, what are you planning on doing with six large zucchini breads? Maybe she had to cope. Yeah. That's what I, like, assume, because if you're wearing, like, three different American flag, like, items, and then a camo jacket, and you do the thing where you pull your mask down every five minutes to talk. Oh! I, you can talk through your mask, you guys. It's, yeah. Um, I'm going to My sister works in a grocery store, and she's, like, she always goes, um, my sister's very feisty, so when people pull out their mask down, she's like, no, I can hear you. I can hear you put your mask back on. (laughs) And then she, like, she won't answer until they, like, put their mask back on, and then they can which I like a lot. I had one more. Ooh, full face and makeup or no makeup? Mm, no makeup. Usually I don't wear makeup because it's not comfortable, you know? I just like to wear makeup to look cool, so it's like, but normally, like, I don't always wear makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm wearing makeup now, but that's because I had, like, two other, like, I had a school meeting before this and I had something mm-hmm. else, so. And because, you know, what? when I wear, when I consider makeup, it's not, like, what most people consider makeup. Because when I wear makeup, I wear makeup, you know? I'm wearing lots of a clown, so. So, that is all the questions I have. Do you have anything else that you want to add? Anything you want to plug? Ooh, well, you could follow me on Instagram, because, you know, I'm always trying to clown Chase, so. Go follow her. Her Instagram pictures are super cool. My mom likes yeah. her pictures, and my mom doesn't like anybody's Instagram pictures. She thinks they're all weird. Really? Yeah, well, I showed she her. Other people's words are not mine. <laughs> she, I, well, I, okay, so I, I did like cherry pick a little bit. I did. I showed her the yeah. one where you're in, I think, like a red sari, and then you're like holding up like a green necklace or something like that, which yes. is a really gorgeous picture. And she was like, "Wow, she Thank looks really you. cool." <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, that was for a jewelry brand. I that they gave me that jewelry, and I was like, I still have some of it. Like they let me keep some of it, and that's like my favorite thing on the world. But yeah, follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on TikTok if you want to. Subscribe to my YouTube. My YouTube is just my name, Angelina Nair. Look at Pinterest, Depop, everything. PayPal, just follow me. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have to plug. And then, yeah, thank you for having me. Love to be here. I hope this episode of the Shelter and Warning podcast entertained and educated you. If it did, please consider leaving us a rating or review on iTunes. You can find the Shelter and Warning podcast at Shelter and Warn on Twitter at TikTok, Instagram, and Tumblr at Shelter and Warning Podcast, or contact us through email at shelterandwarningpodcast at gmail.com. Full transcripts of our show, along with the list of all of our sources, are available in our Google Drive. Once again, if there are any corrections or additions that you would like to make, contact me and I will do my best to address them. Thank you so much for listening, and...